so great are you, Lord, and worthy of our praise and glory and honor. Great are you, Lord, and you sit in dominion and worship, and it surrounds you. So great are you, Lord. Who can fathom you? Who can understand your greatness? How can we experience you, Lord? Open the eyes of our heart so that we might see and understand that it is your presence and it is you that we need. Great are you, Lord. It's been an incredible morning for me and um, I pray it has for you as well. Not just this past hour, but really sitting in context of my group and talking about the reality of authentic community and what it means to share life together. And I really enjoy, or maybe more importantly, I thoroughly spiritually crave the presence of the Lord to lead us into moments like this when we commune as a broken people around a Lord who was broken for us. Who said that He was pierced for our transgressions and wounded for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us the peace and the unity of this moment was upon Him. And so we then, we turn to Him and say, so great are You, Lord. It's the breath on our lungs that cry out of Your greatness and we unite here around Your majesty and Your wonder. The simplicity of the Gospel And a statement is this, that Jesus raises the dead. I hope that has more power for you in about 10 minutes than it does right now. Because there is a story out of the 7th chapter of the book of Luke that prepares us to share in communion together. That prepares us to come around the table and together as believers in Jesus Christ of those who have put our lives in His hands, to say to Him, it is our breath, Lord, that breathes out to You. Great are You, Lord, and You raise the dead. Raise me to new life in You. I um, appreciate sitting in a group, and I don't know what your group is like, but this is what I would pray unilaterally for those who share life in group, is when you're able to sit around the story and the account of Elijah and talk about this reality that life is broken. Jesus used this to describe his body that will be broken to you, but preceding Jesus saying this body will be broken for you, we all know, and those reclining at the table with him can already attest to this. Life is broken and wounded. And if like Elijah, and it's like my story as well, I am sitting in a cave thinking, I want to say that you're great, Lord. I want to believe that. I'm looking for some miracle. And the Lord is saying, in the midst of all of our troubles, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of our rejoicing, in the midst of our wins, in the midst of our losses, He is present. And He is holding us together according to Scripture and that in His brokenness, you and I are made whole. And I don't come to you, and if you're a guest in this church and you um, are visiting and saying, you know, I really want a lot of people whose lives are put together. I would say to you, you're probably in the wrong place this morning. But if you're wanting to meet with a group of people, or I pray this for you, who are extraordinarily weak, 
and extraordinarily humble and extraordinarily dependent upon the power and the strength of the resurrected Messiah, then you're in the right place. Where we just come and say, great are you, Lord. My life is falling apart. Great are you, Lord. I am hiding in a cave and I don't know where to turn. Great are you, Lord. And oh, by the way, thank you for the meal that you just prepared for me. Great are you, Lord. I am entitled our series Psalms, and we'll really dive into the Psalms next week. But have you ever been in a visceral moment when you heard a song or a psalm of the Lord? And I really want to unpack this next week, but when you, it just changed your whole view of everything. Um, I had that happen when I was listening to Psalm 40 for the first time in the weirdest place, not in church. I was in Norfolk, Virginia. Thank you. One Virginian in the room. It's an exciting place. I was in Norfolk, Virginia, and I was at a concert, and it's not like a Jesus concert. And so we went through the entirety of the concert, and this band introduced their closing song. And everybody's standing, and they're shouting, and they're cheering, and they're calling for the encore. If you've ever been to a concert, you know how that goes. And so they've been rocking the place. This is back in 1986. Most of you, like I'm looking at Carson, we're not born yet. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in this place and they are, they are singing. And then the next thing I know, they just begin to close a concert with a bunch of not Jesus people singing the lyrics to Amazing Grace. I'm like, oh, this is powerful. I didn't see this. And I'm a follower of Jesus. I like their lyrics and I like their songs because they have, um, they're very passionate about just causes. And they're singing Amazing Grace. And then they broke out into song over why we should gather at the table. And it was a song called 40. And this song came straight from the lyrics of Psalm 40. And I just heard this song in a whole new way. In an extraordinary unexpected environment where it says, it says this of us as we gather at this table. Lord, I waited patiently for you. I want to sing it right now. Thank you for the one person that clapped for that too. <laughs> You should not have clapped for that because that would be bad. I was really belting out that song that we closed with a moment ago and I started to hit a high note and it was so bad. And I thought, Jesus still loves me and he loved that note. I waited for the Lord and he turns to me and he hears my cry. And I I think of this for those of you that were in group in light of Elijah. When I am in the midst and the throes under a brook tree or in a cave. When the Lord turns and hears my cry. And here's what he does. He lifts me out of the slimy pit. Out of the mud and the mire. And he does this for us. He sets my feet upon the rock and gives me a firm place to stand. And he does this. He puts a new song in my mouth. And it is a hymn of praise to our God. Jesus raises the dead. And at some point, or maybe more aptly said, over and over in our lives, through experiences with Him, He reaches down into the pit of our own despair, our own decision-making, and our own weariness, and He lifts us up out of the pit and places us upon the rock of His goodness and His grace. And I want to invite you to this table this morning, not because you and I have things put together, but because you and I in this room, if we are in Christ, we are celebrating at the Lord's table because we are all unilaterally, uniformly experienced or have experienced this. We have been lifted out of the pit of our sin and shame and we stand united as one upon the rock of Jesus Christ. And Jesus has raised us from the dead. 
and put his life inside of us. That's what Jesus does. And that's what we gather around this table and we experience and we unite. And I just want to tell you the gospel in a nutshell is this, that Jesus raises the dead. In the seventh chapter of the book of Luke, there is this extraordinary story of lifting us out of the pit and setting our feet upon the rock. It's a powerful story of God or Jesus coming in. And the story begins just with these words. And you can read it in the chapter 7 of the book of Luke, verses 11 through 17. It is a powerful thing because I enjoy just even the name. It says that Jesus afterwards went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. What you have to understand is that Jesus is going to a town called Nain or more aptly described as... Anyone know? Beautiful. I'm going to a place that is called by almost everyone. Nain, or Nain means beautiful. I'm going to go experience something extraordinary. And there is a whole crowd going along with me. And as he approached Nain and began to walk onto the outskirts, to walk through the gates of the city beautiful, he experiences this moment of collision. He experiences a moment that you and I often experience as we come into this broken world and say, Lord, help me to make sense of this. Because he walks to the land called beautiful. And what is happening is a procession out of beautiful. And there is a crowd that is walking and there is an apparatus that is with them that would be look something like a stretcher. And there is a young man that is on that stretcher. He is covered in burial cloth. He is covered in death spices and his eyes and his body are wrapped and he has died. And the scripture describes him as the son of a widow who has now died. So much for going into name. Jesus raises the dead. You have to know that about him, but you also should understand what it meant when it said these words. As he approached the town, a dead person was being carried out. The only son, listen to this, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. The dead is not just the one that is on the apparatus. It is the, it's not just the one that's being carried out as they sing the death march and walk him out. What's going on in this scenario is in minutes he is going to be put into the earth. And the reality for this woman is this. She is a widow. We already understand that from scripture. Her only son, not one of her sons, but her only son is now being carried out of the city, beautiful, to a place of death, which means for her, this is death as well. It means a life of impoverty. It means a life of pain. It means a life of suffering begins today in about half an hour when we dig the hole and we put him in the ground. I have nothing. And I just want you to understand that it's just not the son that is experiencing this truth. I want you to understand in every scenario and brokenness of this life, Jesus The essence of the gospel, the reason we gather at this table and say, it is your breath on our lungs that pours out your praise. This is why, because Jesus raises the dead. He steps into our impoverishment, into our slavery to death, into our suffering. And he doesn't just look at the dead and say, stand and walk. He looks at those of us around who are experiencing death in caves, walking this world, trying to make sense. And into beautiful walks Jesus. 
And I just come to you with great news. And I come to you with great news regardless of your circumstance today. And that's a pretty brazen thing to say. But I come to you with this news that Jesus raises the dead. And he comes into our circumstances and into our pain and into our suffering. And he meets us there. The thing that typically happens in a funeral procession is this. That you're going to either put your things down and join them and walk out in their culture. Or you're going to at least step to the side and honor this procession. But Jesus likes to step outside of the cultural mores and norms of the day. And so as you just kind of read this, Jesus just carries on and says, I don't think that I'm going to put down and walk with them out of the city beautiful. And I don't think that I'm going to step to the side as they walk away from beautiful. I think I am beautiful and I am bringing beautiful into this moment. And he steps up and he grabs, if you would, the side of the stretcher that is being carried out. And it is a pretty awkward moment right then. And it is always awkward moments when we're in the tension of the in-between. When you and I are walking in this journey, much like Elijah, if you were in group this morning, and we're sitting in for 40 days in the cave going, God, I have heard that life with you is beautiful, but it is not beautiful for me right now. I am living in the tension and Jesus holding the side of a stretcher carrying the dead body of a son of a widow is standing in the tension. He is saying, I raise the dead. And so Jesus looked at him and he just said some really simple words. And I think this is so much fun. I cannot wait to get to heaven to ask about these words. Because Jesus looked at him and he just said this. Get up. Get up. This is not what's going on in beautiful today. This is not what's going to happen in the land of beautiful today. But there's what then it says of him. It says that the young man got up, which is cool enough in itself, right? I mean, the young man got up. And then it says that he began to talk. This is where I'm looking for the, can we pause for a moment and just have a little more detail here? Luke, you writer of details, you're a doctor for heaven's sake. Could you not tell us, what did he talk about? I mean, did he ask this, why do I smell like a girl? He's, he's, he's covered in spices. It was, that was funny. Not only a part of you laugh. Why? I mean, why can't I see? He's like peeling things off of his eyes. He's wondering why he's wrapped in a turban. Why is he covered in death spices? Why is this going on? Jesus stepped in in the middle of this and he said, get up. And I want you to know that Jesus raises the dead. And the reason that he could do this is what he will experience himself in days ahead. This is the gospel. I mean, Jesus himself is going to be crucified on a wooden cross unless you fail to understand what happens in the city called Nain or the city called Beautiful. You should understand that in the throes of death, in the middle of circumstances that could have been senseless, I want you to know what Jesus was doing in the midst of that. Because Jesus is hanging on a cross. He has the validity to say this, validating in the future. Because as he hung on the cross, he invited a man hanging beside him to new life. How crazy is that? It's not in the land of beautiful. Jesus, in the midst of the tension of his own cross, is perishing. And he looks and he says, look, our God will forgive you in this moment. And you and I are going to be together forever in paradise in the middle of our brokenness in the city of Maine. Jesus raises the dead even while dying on his cross. 
Do not come here saying, oh wow, church people have it together. Come here saying, we are a people of the cross, the tomb, and the resurrection, and the second coming. And we rejoice in the reality of our Savior. We may not get this right now. We may be on a stretcher, and we may be covered in spices. But we know this, the gospel is this, that Jesus raises the dead. And he will raise me to new life. Let's gather at that table. A table called Beautiful. A table that celebrates this. To experience the resurrection, I heard said in the Insanity of God movie, to experience the resurrection, there must be a crucifixion. To experience the resurrection, there must be a point, much like the man on the cross as his life is perishing, where he said, you know, Lord, your grace is on display. Your justice is done. You are pleading the cause of mankind. You are the Messiah. You raise the dead. I'm dying. Raise me. He did. It was beautiful. I am praying that you and I can understand the power of the cross. I want to lead us to a very personal reality by reading Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 9. Lest you believe that this is a story of a widow's son on a stretcher or the story of a thief on a cross. This is your story. Jesus raises the dead. And as you, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. You followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our nature that was filled with sin and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But here is a great single word in scripture. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, listen, listen, he made us alive in Christ. That's a hallelujah moment. That's a praise, oh Lord, great are you, Lord. He made us alive. As for you to begin this, you were dead in your transgressions. As for him, he made you alive with Christ. Even when you, we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. It is God who raised us up. And it is Christ who sits us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages the might of his power might show the incomparable riches of his grace might be expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. And we can just go on and on and on and on. But I come to you saying to you in this city called Beautiful that Jesus at some point for most if not every one of us in this room has raised you from the dead and it draws us to a table to say thank you, I worship you, you have everything. That's the invitation to this table for the sake of the glory of God and for the banner of the cross. Jesus raises the dead. So Lord, raise our hearts to hope. Raise our passions to purpose for your glory and your namesake. Raise our affections to you alone. Raise our death to life so that we might pour out our praise to you only. That's why we gather.
So we're going to share in communion right now. If this is a new experience for you, what's going to happen over the next few moments is that we're going to pray over this. And in this environment, we don't believe that there's anything mystical or magical. There is just things that are supernatural that God might do among us. We don't believe that the bread turns into anything or the wine. It really Well, we don't have wine because we're Baptist. And so, um, so the Welch's grape juice, will not, it's not turning into anything. We're just coming around this beautiful reality of the cross the burial, the resurrection, and the second coming of Jesus saying, we, are, we love you, Jesus. As a community, we commune around this. We gather around this and we worship you. And this is what Jesus says to us as the body of believers. I want you to do this so that you remember, so that you worship, so that you rest in me. And so for the next few moments, we're going to sing a little bit. You may or may not sing. The scripture tells us that we should approach this moment with extraordinary humility, coming before God and really setting our life right before him. That is not to go with this morning's lesson, a bootstrap get better moment. It is really a letting go of bootstraps and saying, Jesus be my everything moment. I want to partake of your body and your blood and I want to remember you because you are everything and you have raised me from the dead you will lift me out again and you're good practically speaking some of our leadership that are prayer warriors for this church are going to take these silver trays and pass them around and you literally reach in and there's in the middle there's a little piece of bread and then around that are cups of welch's grape juice again you just take one and you pass it and if you're here and you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is a table that you are welcome at. We are not a closed table. We're an open table for all who believe and have received Christ as Savior. We just want to stop as a community and say this is where we unite. You know, all joking aside, I was loving Ryan teasing the Packer. We, we don't care about the Packers or the Jaguars here. We care about Jesus. I love my Packer friend here who's studying theology at, in, in Ohio, for heaven's sake. Where is that? In Chicago, Illinois, for the sake of the gospel. I love communing at this table. We won't commune in an hour, but we're communing now. I love coming around this table and saying, this is a city called beautiful. Raise us, Lord. I love coming to this table and saying, we... Lift all of who we have to you. May we pray and then may we celebrate this moment. Jesus, thank you for your body that was given for us. Thank you for the essentials of the gospel that you died and were buried. And on the third day you were raised again. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of stopping and pausing as a body of believers and reflecting on this powerful truth that you raise us from the dead. You are so good, Lord. We want to sing songs of worship to you now as we distribute these elements. We want to pause before your cross and just simply to bow down. We want to just respond to the truth of who you are. Jesus, resurrect us in this moment for the sake of your glory. Amen and amen. So these, these men are literally going to pass these out. You are welcome to take one and also take a juice and just hold it. We're going to not only, um, 
and, and you have little things in your pew, which are cool. You can like set it down if you don't hold very well. But just hold it because we want to remember this as one, as a body, just partaking of the body and blood of Christ together. And so just take a piece of bread, take a piece of the cup. Let's worship together as they pass that out and let's celebrate this truth. Jesus raises the dead. Let's sing, let's worship.
every man and every woman. And he said, my blood will be spilled and it will be spilled for the remission of your sins. So drink of this cup and remember me. The great news of the gospel is this. Jesus raises the dead. In Luke 7, verse 16, it says these words. As he engaged at Nain, it was beautiful. They didn't begin talking about the young man who was resurrected, and they didn't even talk about how the widow was going to be taken care of. Here was the conversation that carried on. They were filled with awe. And they praised God. A great prophet has stepped in among us. And this news about Jesus, because church gathers, and because we praise the name of the Lord our God, this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding nations and country. And it became beautiful. It was worded this way. It may come up on the screen. Eugene Peterson read, They all realized they were in a place of holy mystery that God was at work among them. They were quietly worshipful. And then, I love this, and then they were quietly worshipful and then noisily grateful, crying out among themselves, talking to one another. God is back. He is looking into the needs of his people and needs of Jesus spread throughout all of the country. Praise to the name of the Lord our God.